Your Honor, my client uh, was merely working in the vineyard and should not by any means be accused of contriving a scenario in which they saw their co-worker's ass. That, mm. Now, I understand how how it looks, and I understand that it is, it, that, like, look, it, he, it, he did do the drawing, and he did distribute that drawing on bottles of wine, but you can't say it didn't happen, and you can't say that it was his fault. <laughs> what you could at most say is it was literally the name of the vineyard, so... I mean, whose fault is it really, Your Honor? Hmm. Hmm. Your Your Honor, as the as the other lawyer for the uh, the the the, the uh, def- defendant Pros- prosecution. Uh, I think you'd be the you're, prosecution. Uh, you're, you're you're the prosecution. No, you're the prosecution. No, no, no. I'm the other lawyer working with you to, to defend the oh, guy. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm the other. I'm the. We're we're a two. We're a two team. We're a lawyer. Oh, I forget it's, that. Uh, yeah. No, I usually yeah, work alone. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, you're one of those lone wolf type lawyers. Yeah, I'm. I'm a. Yeah. I'm a. Yeah. You know how most lo- law firms they say they have partners. I I've got no partners. I'm. Uh, it's just me. Mm, yeah. Just out there. Just you're the one guy on the billboard. Uh huh. Say injured, call uh, uh, Flingered. And your name is Flingered. They call me Flinger. Last name. <laughs> you legally changed your name to Flinger, so it would be easier. A family for name. The I didn't change my name to anything. Flinger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now I did but, change Honor, the family crest the to an ambulance that I'm running behind. <laughs> your Honor, we're really just saying this to have the give the have a little fun for the stenographer. She looked like she was, you know, she was taking a little. She's, you know, taking her time. So we decided to talk like this real quick and get everything down. Uh, so she could, you know, it's just, she's new, you know, I gotta, you know, you know, break her in. But speaking of, speaking of being, being broken in. Uh, Judge, says what? Let's my client go. Yeah. (laughs) Did you get that? Cool, cool, nice. So this case dismissed. Uh, uh, Mr. Mr. My my client, uh, Mr. Philbin. Uh, uh, Oh, no, sorry. It's just, I only read the first name. Regis, Regis Bouvier is the one who's on, who's on trial here. Folks, the vineyard. What's it called? My uh, my uh, uh, partner, not in, in the opposite of crime. Partner in justice. And Montrecul. There you go. Yeah, that means uh, means showing your showing your rear, does it not, Your Honor? Uh, it it, it does, Your checked, Honor. Um, I don't. Do, do you is, speak French? Oh, I don't think this judge you, talks a whole lot. No, no. He's kind of a he's one of those Clarence Thomas types. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he's just up there, just you know. Just being real stoic, yeah. Staring us down. Yeah, yeah. Sure There's actually. Are, I lied. And... I, I'm actually an undercover attorney. I'm actually for the, the the plaintiff. So I just snuck over to your side to be one of the. Uh, I'm one of the. I'm a, like a, a wolf in sheep's clothing, and I hung over there with you to to sabotage your case. You know. Wait. Does that mean you worked? You work for the defense now, or the the prosecution? Uh, yeah, I work for the I work for the prosecution actually. This, see, this is why I never work with a partner. <laughs> uh-uh. so you can't trust anyone. <laughs> God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This always happens. Yeah, you just just clearing clearing my hands of this. Yeah, you know, just wiping them off. Just wiping the dust off my hands, saying another another s- smooth operator. Another smooth here. criminal. <laughs> Smooth, smooth criminal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I know the law. I know my rights. Uh huh. Am I being detained? Am I being detained? Am I being detained? <laughs> yeah. 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 No, that's cool. Don't detain me, bro. <laughs> Works every Dude, time. We gotta be one of. The, we gotta. Oh my god! I I showed you those videos, right? Of that guy from like my my hometown, who would like. He had like the camera and like he would like follow like police around. Oh, you would, told like, me about this. Follow, yeah, yeah, yeah. He would just like constantly go up and be like, "Okay, so what's going on?" He was like, like to, going up to police and like making sure that they were doing their jobs correctly. I guess is what he was thinking. He was like there to like protect the people, but then also seemed like he had like a like a special Blue Lives Matter like flair, like he was protecting the police from themselves, kind of thing. It was, it's really insane. That, that, that's cool. That's very fun. That's, 
That guy deserves a Punisher decal. Yeah, this is the know? guy who's just going up being like, no, but like, I'm. What I'm saying is, you are like, you are like two steps from excessive force. Like what you, the yeah. force you're using, that's just excessive. But if you use any more, yeah. it's excessive. So yeah, you yeah. know, you never want to, yeah. you never want to be exercising excessive force, just excessive yeah, force. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, the force may be with you, may not be with you. You know, yeah. it depends. This car covered, like he's dressed as a Jedi. <laughs> he's just cars covered in Jedi themed. Like as he drives a Toyota, oh, but yeah. he's got the little ears on it, so it's a Toyota. And he's just yeah. he's just oh, getting man. out. He's got a oh, he's got yeah. a lightsaber that he's waving around. He's just... Yeah, he's got like the Punisher decal, but with like Yoda ears, I guess. Yeah, is that, yeah, is that yeah. what that would be? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> or like the Princess Leia, like ear buns. Ear muffs yeah, or no, I like you know? Yoda. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah. What was the Punisher's catchphrase? You've been punished. Punished you have been. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did he yeah, have it was one? new to your spay new to your pets. Oh, here we go. Uh, Sevis pacem parabellum. If you want peace, that... prepare for war. So you know this guy's getting out of his Jesus. car, saying, "Yeah, that peace sucks, you want, dude. war you must prepare for." <laughs> <laughs> dude, that sucks. Man. Just bonking people with a lightsaber. That shit is so lame. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> But so, just to bring this full circle, right? Uh huh. Can he do we, it? We bring all we bring all of this up to say that we bought more DRC that we're drinking right now. Mm-hmm. We're actually drinking DRC. Yeah. Not many um, people know that Dominion Remini Conti translates to "Show me your ass." Yeah. <laughs> or else. Yeah. 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 Um. No, we're actually but, we're literally yeah. drinking a wine called uh uh. What while showing butt would be one way to? Uh, yes, I think so. Yeah, I think. And so, but the name of the, yeah, the uh, the name of the vineyard is on Montreux and uh, E N M O N T R E space C U L. And uh, wouldn't you know it? But uh, yeah, yeah. If you if you uh, if you plug that phrase into your phones into into google translate on your phone folks you can try this at home if you want to play along at home open, play along at home open yeah. your translation you? app type in <laughs> you don't even have to say it's french it'll detect the language you just type in en mm. montre cool and uh, i'll just play what it what it translates to for the for the audience um oh this might not work because uh i have the uh, the old headphones in but let's see if it does uh you might not have heard that because uh let me switch to speakerphone for just a sec oh Wow! Wow! This is more complicated than it should be. Nice. One second. Yeah, the production value on our podcast is yep. just so good. So, yep. Now, uh, did you, did you hear that? No, no I, didn't, I didn't. I didn't hear anything. anything. You know what I'm saying? One sec. Showing ass. Well, that's not working at all. Uh, it says showing ass, folks. That the nice. Yeah, hold on. Um, that might have been a terrible idea because you might have picked up on your recording and on mine. So. This might be the most unfortunate to listen to episode ever. Uh, you know, no, no, that bar, that, that bar has been set. Uh, I don't even know what. Who knows? But yeah, the label's great. You know? It's just a guy carrying one of those. Uh, he's got a, one of those panniers. What do you call that? The big. Uh, it's the big basket on his back. Yeah, that they hold all the harvest all the grapes into. Yeah, he's the uh, porter. What do they call that guy? He's got a name. Uh, guy who carries grapes. <laughs> as long as you stay off of wikipedia uh-huh folks this is the no wikipedia there's no there's no rules the only rules is that there are no rules there as there long as you stay off wikipedia this, uh grape backpack grape backpack yeah oh we should start making backpacks for merch thingy That'd be sick Grape backpack thing nope yeah those are anyway, not so what i'm talking about the the the, the producer is reggie bouvier Regis, R-E-G-I-S, and then B-O-U-V-I-E-R. Um, I found out about this producer through a um, winemaker who's a big Burgundy fan. And um, actually, I don't know if I found him through them, but I I found the wines and asked him like, "Hey, how are they?" He's like, "Oh no, they're they're like legit, and they're not expensive, uh, or at least the price that I got them for is actually I think I got them like it's significantly below the like market." price market value um 
so the price that we got them for is not you know ridiculous but um this is their it's a ludi i think they do a regular like bourgogne rouge um and this is like their next one up so for folks who don't know a ludi is basically a um in burgundy there's the um premier crew grand crew like system so um there can be vineyards that are special vineyards and specific vineyards uh that are not um designated as premier crew or grand crew that are still notable enough and producers want to indicate when all of the fruit comes from those specific ones and those are called uh referred to those as ludis where they might be like subplots of certain vineyards um and l-i-e-u space d-i-t is how you spell that and so this is a specific Eludi, but so it says the, the it says like you know Burgundy, and then it says the name of that, but it doesn't say Premier Cru or Grand Cru or anything because those that vineyard is not designated as a Premier Cru or a Grand Cru vineyard. Yep. Um, and do you think there? I mean, this is, uh, is this whole separate conversation that um, we won't discuss. But I was going to ask about um, if you think they'll ever actually do some sort of like Grand Cru classification in like New World. I don't know. I th- um, that's that is be, a great question. Seems very contrary to like america you know yeah like the idea of american wine since it's all about like no rules no parents you know yeah parents aren't here we're pissing in the bath pissing in the bed pissing pissing in the sink pissing all over the place honestly mom and dad aren't around i'm pissing my pants um pissing all the plants blaming it on the cat i'm I'm doing all pissing in the paint i'm pissing in the plants Pissing in the pans, <laughs> pissing in all the pans in the sink and in the cabinets. Um, like, why is there just like a like a you know like a, a tablespoon of piss in all of our pots and pans? Like, I mean, this cat's a problem. It's really, really aggressively making sure just like pee just a little bit and just like cut it off. Yeah, hold it, go to the next one. Yeah, um, yeah, it's not really a thing that like I the shitty thing about yeah American wineries are just like no we'll just set up a bunch of avas and sub avas and all that kind of thing and then we'll just like aggressively market to so people know what the like the we'll just know which the best wines are by like which ones are the most expensive and hardest to get and all that yeah and we know that works perfectly because of napa so it's all fine (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah no, this wine is pretty much as soon as I, I opened it, um, I poured a glass, and then uh, I put it over on, like, the other side of the room, and, uh, you know, before we started recording, I went to go get it, but, like, I could already smell it, and it was on the other side of the room. It's very pretty, very expressive. Um, oh, yeah, wait, I don't know if I mentioned that. So, the name of the, the vineyard is, like, to show your rear, because uh, it's so steep. Uh, maybe you've already said that, I can't remember, but... Uh, I think in the, in, the, in the joke opening i and, said something along oh in the lines. opening that's right that's right that's right that's right point 12 and a half percent abv so yep. many of our friends who uh prefer fortified wines you know will uh turn a turn a, a, a stiff uh nose upward at yep. this wine you know you gotta keep a say, stiff upper stiff stiff upper nostril <laughs> yeah you need it you gotta keep but, a um, stiffy up your nose yours not corked mine's not corked is yours corked no, 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 I was saying yours is not cork. No, right? yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm still getting <laughs> yeah. over the very tail end of that cold, but like just, you know, congestion and stuff. But I'm going to go ahead and say yeah. this might be one of the best bottles of like red burgundy that's like ostensibly less than, I don't know, $100 that I've ever had. It's, yeah, it's man. really dude, good. It's, I haven't tasted it yet. It smells fucking great. I think I got it for like 25 or something. Jesus. Um. <laughs> yeah. you might, you're convincing me I might actually want to drink burgundy again, my guy. Yeah, dude, it is. Yeah, so it has that um it's got a lot going on, but that really pretty like perfumed fruit with also like a bit of that like musk, that kind of like cologne musky yeah. deal. Um in that really kind of like seductive um like savory and like sensual type yeah. of way, which I think that kind of the the best burgundy can can do. And other wines can't really do. I mean, some have had some other that can sort of do that type of thing, but it's. I think it's pretty. You mean unique the best burgundy. burgundy or the best Pinot Noirs? The Pinot Noir. Uh, very nice. Like or, Oregon Pinot. <clears throat> I've had Oregon Pinot and some California Pinot that have it. Um, but it's it's like a different like expression of it. Yeah. Um, that's more like uh, I don't know. It would be interesting to do. A side by side of kind of like the 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 muskier versions of like Oregon and California Pinot, like do do a do a New World Old World like lineup of those 
of, of Pinot with that like context in mind, rather than like let's just put a bunch of fucking wines all together and yeah, you know, like without any. It's like putting you know a bunch of different like doing a lineup of a bunch of wines that don't really make sense together. And I think when people do big line wineups, big wine line line wineups, Li- <laughs> people do big line wineups. People do big wine wineups. The wine wineups. The yeah line lineups. I love yeah yeah yeah. Uh, they don't. I mean, yeah, a lot of people don't really um, take like a like a central theme beyond like Pinot from a region, you know. Um, but I think if like if you're just doing like like an explore, exploration of like I'm just gonna get a bunch of different Pinots or whatever, that's cool. But like if you wanna, I feel like Pinot is the kind of thing that you can really do that with in a way where um, if you wanna analyze like specific components of the capabilities of that grape. You can do that in a really, uh, I don't know. I think like a, I don't know, like a pretty interesting way that you can't with other grape varieties. Yeah, I tend to think that like to approach Pinot the best is to like get super focused hmm. and then do so like Pinot from one vineyard over like five vintages or Pinot from the same vintage of five vineyards that are all relatively close to each other. Like that tends, in my mind, to be Ooh, the best man. way to approach that stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude! Yeah, showing That's ass. Good. Uh, we should. That <laughs> yeah. should be. Ooh, that should be a shirt. Just showing ass. Just a shirt that just says showing, showing ass. ass. Yeah. Uh, or like yeah. booty shorts. Like a. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, dude! This is so good. It's really good. Uh, so also, but I guess we didn't go back over the the. But you were trying to, and I said something. Uh, the label is just like a. Two people in a vineyard. One guy walking with. I think. I think it's called a pannier. Oh yeah. He's walking with the maybe the, the backpack thing that you move the grapes in. And another. He's walking up the hill, and above him on the hill, uh, to the left in the little drawing, a woman is picking grapes into a little basket, like like the little basket that you pick into. It's like an Easter egg basket. Um, she's got kind of because she's up the hill from him. She's got kind of a Marilyn Monroe scenario going on with her skirt, mm-hmm. but she's French, so mm-hmm. she doesn't care. So her skirt's just like whoop. And if you look really closely at the label, the little dude walking up behind her, he's got a big old smile on his face. Yeah, he's a pretty happy fellow. He is. He's like, God, I love my job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's all it's no, yeah. Does. It's a it's one of those very funny <laughs> drawings that you can't tell. Like it's like a it's. The person who did it clearly has, like, artistic talent, but they also, it looks as though they enlarged the drawing. Like, it's maybe two inches wide and an inch tall, but it looks as though the person who drew it had to, like, draw it half that size. It's... Yeah. (laughs) No, it's a very funny drawing. Yeah. Because I didn't even, I didn't even really look at the drawing originally until I, like... I didn't look at it until just a few minutes ago when you you mentioned what it was called. (laughs) Yeah, because you know sometimes you look at wine labels and you just like, you know, it doesn't really like click or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you look at it and you're like, oh, that's a flower. I thought that was just some sort of like abstract design or something like that. Um, well, it's also, it's, it's like cleverly that. set up so that you can tell that, like you can sort of tell what's going on, but you can't, you have to kind of see what's going on in the circumstance because you can't really see the woman's ass, but you can tell that the guy in the picture can. Oh, definitely so, can. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's cool. It has like... So that definitely that muskiness to it. Um, it's got like a bunch of like salinity that I like a lot on it. Um, it's really like pretty tightly wound and like tart, but um, very juicy and uh, super drinkable. It's yeah. like you know. Oh, this is just one of these things that like wine. yeah, you like boring. you look back at the bottle and you lost track of time and the whole you like it's you got one glass left. You're like where'd the where'd all that go? Where'd it go? Oh, also, uh, so we're drinking. We're drinking the same wine. We're not in the same place, but we're we're. Oh yeah, we're, yeah. Uh, we figured it out. We yeah, yeah through the magic of UPS or FedEx, I guess. <laughs> yeah, this is just great. Fucking like, mm. this is just gorgeous, classic, super super fucking clean, elegant Pinot Noir that yeah. Is what people want Burgundy to be at a price that people wish Burgundy still was. Dude, with fucking imagine. Oh my god. Like it's all I would fucking drink, you know? Like you just fucking oh. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. I, yeah. I wonder if I can get more of this. This is the type of thing where you're like, oh fuck, yeah, just just, just fucking back the truck up. <laughs> just fucking just yeah, load her. I mean load me up. Even if you just look on wine.com at the same 
the same thing we're drinking from 2018. Mm. So we're drinking the 17, but if you look at the 2018 vintage, $35 a bottle. Mm-hmm. And that's just without even putting in any effort to try and find a better price. That's just like the internet being like, this thing you wanted, here it is. Yeah. Which, yeah, man. that's not what the internet's for. <clears throat> Absolutely not. No, it's, uh, I got it here, you know, find it right here. You can get it for $19 a bottle. I won't tell people where. Because, uh, damn, nice. You know, but also, it's fucking, they get some other ones that, uh, I don't know, like, I, I could, I don't know. I originally, when I was, like, starting to get into wine, and I had a couple of experiences with Burgundy like this where I was like, oh, fuck, this is so good. And I was like, all right, all these other ones are so expensive. What I want to do is maybe I'll just buy, like, the Bourgogne level of, like, entry-level wines of red and whites of a bunch of different producers. And then I'll just try them and I can see, like, which ones I like and which ones I don't like and, you know, that type of thing. And I started doing that for a little while. And then prices just started going up and up and up where, like, the entry-level wine for most producers ended up being, like, $60 or something. Like, something fucking insane. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? And everyone's like, oh, oh, these producers are a must-try. And then now a lot of them, like, yeah, like their entry-level wines are in the triple digits, like, easily. Uh, we wouldn't and be talking insane. about Simon B's, would we? Sim- <laughs> the Simon B's, I don't think they're that expensive yet. I but think, like, if, yeah. any of the Premier Crew wines, definitely. Well I'm, um, well, I'm admittedly looking, I think, at the wrong thing right now, but this one was saying, okay, you can get, uh, yeah, the the code to bone for $78 which is such ridiculous I mean god it's so fucked up dude yeah I mean after like you know like drinking like Bordeaux and stuff um and like getting into it you're like damn some of that shit is so good and then you look at like okay you can get their like mid you know like not even their mid tier that's just like their that's out of like five tiers of quality that's like tier like two you know where you can get like few you can get old wine or futures of like second growth Bordeaux for not for that price, but eh, for like 110 bucks, you can get like one of the best, like, you know, one of the best wines in Bordeaux pretty much for that much money. Or you can get, you know, like, you know, a, a tier three out of five of, a, a, of like a Burgundy producer that's like, oh, yeah, they're good. But not like, oh, my God, they're the best or whatever. You know, it's fucked up. Burgundy prices are insane. Yeah. But man. um, and Burgundy is also so fucked up because of like the consistency issues, obviously, we've talked a lot about. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, man. When it's good, it's like annoyingly great. But um, yeah, man. Would you? Uh... Oh man. So the same bottle that the the Simon B's bottle that I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. If you're willing to buy, oh, that's a half bottle. It looks like. Um, mm. So in France, it's twenty six dollars. Nice. Uh, or yeah, it looks like it's thirty thirty some odd dollars in most places in Europe. If I wanted to buy it from yeah. Uh, it, they have it at a place in Portland. Mm-hmm. If I went up there to buy a bottle of it, it'd be sixty bucks. <laughs> yeah, man, it's funny. Like um, all the like serious Burgundy buyers, and just like I think a lot of wine buyers in general, they you know by serious I mean like have a ton and ton of money. They just have like people buy wine for them in Europe. Yeah, you know, and they just like get it shipped over or whatever. Or I mean, I guess if you have that much money, you just like go in like a private jet and you just you may or may not own i guess and you just like load it up in the plane and then you just don't report Mm -hmm. what you get and you just bring it to your fucking cellar well you don't have to report it because you fly it to your private island put it in the wine cellar (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah yeah. or you just you fly it to your fucking freeport and you just put it straight in there and then you can just drink it there and you don't even need to leave you know uh yeah so so that's the way you should I think that's it. probably that's yeah. So folks go out there, go go get a locker at the uh <laughs> at at the you know where at your local <laughs> international airport. I'm sure it's just you get it for for a steal, you know? And uh just start just you know, just start speculatively buying assets and then borrowing against those assets, you know? That just seems like the best way to live your life. Is this a financial uh podcast or whatever they say? Financial uh advice absolutely don't listen (laughs) and by no i mean no it's not not it's not not one you know however many times you need to say no to feel like you can listen to us (laughs) yeah whatever that means yeah yeah man i don't even know like i feel like i've been so checked out of burgundy like i don't really know much about like the um like vintage like i don't know what 17 was really like um 
I knew more back when I was like working at the at that wine shop, and I kind of like needed to know because whatever. Like we had 15s, and then the 16s came in, and then like 17s were about to come in, and I didn't work there anymore. And by that time, it was like I just stopped really drinking as much burgundy because I just you know, I was I wanted to learn about other shit. Do you um, do you want to hear what James Suckling called it? Just the like tagline. Tw- 2017. Yeah. Uh, uh, this is yeah, the headline for his write-up of 2017 as a vintage in Burgundy. Yeah, it's here. 2017 Burgundy, a nuanced terroir-driven vintage. Nice. Yeah. Damn, James. Um, my hero. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Apparently, it was good. That guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, apparently, with high also, high yields. So. Hmm. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. I think the vines in, in going into this, uh, the age of the vines in this, wow, it's crazy. Like this, the glass is probably like two feet away from me and I can like smell it. Nice. Like, that shit is crazy. When Pinot is super expressive like that, you know, it's, it's wild, man. The, do you think, uh, how would you describe this wine like structure wise and texture wise? Texturally, the tannins are pretty, um, I would still say pretty young and relatively green. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They definitely have that quality of drying out and tongue and cheeks a bit. Uh, we're feeling like they do, and outlining the structure of the inside of your mouth for you, um, mm-hmm. but in a very like a very agreeable way, like not being like overly woody. Um, yeah, yeah. And then the acid's not super like aggressive, so it feels very like it's just that it's that perfect like balance of like oh this could just age for a really long time and be super happy like mm-hmm. it's it feels both structurally sound enough to age but also pliant enough right now to be super enjoyable um and mm-hmm. none of that's really getting in the way of any of the fruit that's going on like it it all it all just feels very balanced like yeah it's not, absolutely it's not overly tannic or or acid driven but it's also not overly fruity or you know soft like it's got the right it's got the right amount of grip and it's got the right amount of of uh appeal i suppose Mm -hmm. definitely yeah i think like um it doesn't have like the so it's pretty um i guess it's like five years old so that's true yeah it's pretty light and um the it kind of has like the weight of like a like a gattinara or like um alto piemonte kind of nebbiolo without like the astringency of the tannins but like kind of like the mouthfeel or like a light bodied like longa nebbiolo sort of mm-hmm. um i think or like a, a super like definitely on the lighter bodied side of um barbaresco with the tannins dialed way back but um i because f- a, a lot of those wines that i feel like i've had have the ability to do that um while having like this kind of feels like it's lacking like a bit of like saturation yeah um yeah and I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing because Pinot's crazy. Like certain, I've had certain Pinots that like gain, like they gain like weight over time, you know? Yeah. Like they gain, like, uh, like they fill out, which is interesting because a lot of wines you have, they, you know, they do the opposite. Um, and I think Pinot's kind of hard to, it's hard to judge on, on which one it's going to do. Um, but do you think, do you think this, this would sort of fill out? Or like, do you think this is like suitable to hold on for like a few more years? Or do you think this is like kind of just like for for now i guess uh yeah and then i'll ask a, a different question about like the judging a wine's ageability after i totally think that this would hang on for a while um like i think that as the tannins kind of knit more in with the acid the fruit will change its expression and could probably get more vivid will probably just get more vivid being open for a little while um mm-hmm. yeah that's true uh but like oh, like what you're saying there's like a it feels like the tannins are just right now in that kind of place where they're starting mm. to pull back and relax to allow some some of those fruit uh, characteristics to really pop and shine. Because I know what you mean about yeah. like low saturation. Like they're that's kind of the main thing that it feels like Pinot. You know, well made like Pinot right in the f- three to four year old age range is tricky because sometimes it'll be pretty vivid then, but you have to have approach the like. Uh, oak regimen on it and have made it in such a way where that's possible um and it's not just like really bulky and uh clunky but then it'll go through that sort of like hibernation phase where it won't necessarily be bad but it'll like that that aging process will be kind of like seriously underway and it'll be like 10 or 12 years 
old before it's really, you know, singing. Or sometimes it's like eight years. It just depends on the wine. But, you know, it'll enter that, like, secondary moment where the fruit flavors are still, like, they still have some of that primary sweetness. Like, they haven't all moved into, like, tertiary, like, earthy, leathery, you know, um, those kind of flavors. Like, you'll still get, like, blackberry and cherry and, like, bright, fresh fruit flavors, but they'll be integrated with a more... um, a more mature structural profile and, you know, greater depth kind of of expression that is the point of aging goddamn wine. That's why we do it. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's, uh, yeah, just put a little more and then like sort of, you know, um, uh, why can't I think of the word? Not like stirred it up, but like kind of just swirled it around the glass and smelled it and it like came out of the glass at me in the same way that when you like peel an orange or, so, or like when you uh yeah not like peel as an open the orange to eat the fruit peels as in as if you want like a strip of the peel uh-huh. and you peel that and like the the zest like the oils from the peel like kind of leap out at you. yeah um like that brightness of the fragrance oh man it's it's crazy um it smells very like like negroni-esque yep um and uh damn it smells fucking good but uh i think yeah so so pinot can be pinot can be tricky for a lot of reasons but do you think, um, in terms of like assessing, I guess this is more of a general kind of question, but when when you're tasting a wine, you're trying to assess like what you think it's kind of like life is or so much comes down to personal taste. But if you think like, oh yeah, how many years this has till you think it's ready or how many years you think, um, and you're sort of like ballparking, like when critics say like, oh, sick, drink this, you know, wait five years or from five to 15 years, this will be, this will be good. Like, at least I think that comes down to like the com- like it's hard to pin it down, but you know the com- like acid and tannins. Um, there's any residual sugar, like different aspects of the structure. That um, if anybody is curious, go to our corktaint.blog, and we wrote an article about that. But um, with Pinot, I feel like it can kind of you almost have to treat it like a like a, a certain Pinot is like a white wine in terms of judging its like ageability. Um, how do you assess like relative? like ageability of Pinot and do you think that's any different than your assessment of ageability for other grapes or wines? Um, huh. Well, just because it can tend to like Cab, you know, like Cab and other huge wines, Zins and stuff, they're going to, they come from a place of being so big that over time they mellow out and get sort of lighter, you know, whereas Pinot can sort of do the opposite. Yeah. It can build, it absolutely can uh, build and flesh out and yeah um firm up uh yeah i like i don't know i feel like a lot of that comes down to like if you try a pinot and you're like oh this is a bit tannic or like i'm not sure that this is like where i wish it were to be drinking it now i feel like then you just like wait five years is the kind of like common common mindset uh but it's like like what you said about white wines i feel like that's a good point because i it in general letting wine age as much as you can is kind of ideal um mm-hmm. if it's cellared right and has a decent cork in it wine does for the well-made wine for the most part just tends to get better until it like it'll hit it, it'll just hit a point where it just starts unraveling and it'll like peak and then be on a downhill trend from that for for however long it takes before it's just vinegar but um yeah <laughs> but it it yeah it is tricky with pinot because Especially with how Pinot is kind of perceived now and marketed, it's mm-hmm. uh, like it's the same thing that's kind of happened with Nebbiolo, where like people want to make Nebbiolos that people can like going outside of the realms of like what Barolo and Barbaresco are supposed to be like making Nebbiolo in other styles so that it can be drunk somewhat quicker. But even there, being like, yeah, this needs time, it needs at least several years to for the tannins to kind of relax a bit. Um, Pinot. Mm-hmm. Pinot's tricky because it's not that extreme. Like, there are a lot of people who are effectively making Pinot Noir that's very good when it's, like, three and four years old um, Mm -hmm. that might not get any better by being left for 12 more years. But by the same token, there are plenty of people making good Pinot Noir that's good at three to four years old that'll be better in another 10 years or 12 years or whatever. So, I don't... Yeah, uh... Just generally, I suppose, like when drinking a wine, being like, "Oh, that's a bit like that's a bit wound up right now." Waiting five years is usually what that needs. So I feel like when wine writers say like, "Drink, you know, cellar for five years," or like, "Drink 
between in five to seven years or like drink now and for the next three years that's uh i feel like that's you know it's kind of like an instinct built over a lot of time of like trying wines and then having the opportunity to try wines form an opinion like that and then try them when you think that that window is like when you're in that window and seeing how it goes and that just it just takes so much like it's like you know people say like it's like anything that takes practice you just practice as much as you can it's like well i don't have the money or the time for that so uh what (laughs) what the hell um but yeah yeah it's just a it's a it's a really well it's an interesting question too with white wine because people don't think of white wine as being able to age all that well for you know in with the exceptions of like riesling and uh chardonnay i suppose shannon Mm -hmm. but like Pinot, there are Pinot Gris that can age exceptionally well. There are Gewurztraminers that age amazingly. There's like yeah. all kinds of white wines that it it are really cool to drink with age. It's kind of there almost more visibly. Just a question of like what you like and what kind of wine you like drinking. Because yeah, young Riesling is so different from old Riesling. And oh yeah, yeah, same is true with all of those. Like young Gris is very different from older Gris, and it's just like the market is so so much driven by how people like drinking Pinot Gris when it's young that there's no reason for like there to be much interest in it when it's old but that's not as true of Chardonnay mostly just because you know a lot of the most famous Chardonnays in the world are from are from uh, Burgundy so they're getting aged or like so expensive that people want to hang on to them for a while or Mm -hmm. whatever but yeah that's a good point yeah I um yeah no sorry good oh I was just gonna say like the main the main reason for aging wine generally is to let it soften up and resolve and yeah like your comment about saturation is a really good one because you're basically waiting for the wine to come into focus and different wines have different like depths of field as it were like they're different windows so i don't know i this wine to me does feel like i bet i'd prefer it in like, I like it a lot right now, but I bet I would like it even mm-hmm. better in another five years just because of how, oh yeah, you know, how definitive the tannins are and how much structure it has. Not that it'll lose structure, but that, that you know, will integrate with the fruit and the acid over time in a really interesting way. But, you know, but that's like, yeah, I guess it's never, I don't ever think of it really as being worth aging wine that you don't like quite a bit anyways. It's, I, I'm usually much more motivated to go out and buy a bottle of wine to age if i already like the wine i can just tell that i'll like it even more later yeah but but that's because i am an asshole who doesn't give many chances what are what are your thoughts i'm gonna need to blow my nose here yeah it's um in terms of pinot or just of the of the wine in general and and like ageability of wines or all of them oh yeah um yeah pinot pinot's tricky i think it depends on the on the wine like i've had um because pinot like transforms so much um in you know from its youth to maturity and it's a very non-linear type of way like with other wines like you know anything cab based or uh um like grenache syrahs that sort of stuff like those seem like they age pretty linearly in terms of like you can think about like the you know like xy axis there's like fruit and savory on one side and it's like it's sort of it's like a, like a decreasing line so uh like the, the 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 ratio of fruit to savory sort of like is 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 linear um and uh i don't know if that can make sense to any anybody but makes sense basically to me. like it, it's it's yeah it's kind of like a, a constant rate of like change of fruit a swap of fruit for savory out over time um and pinot and it's it, like not necessarily like super predictable but like what the wine's going to turn into but um there is consistency in it and you can generally spe- expect you know from like these certain vineyards this is kind of what will happen at a certain period of time obviously vintage will play a role and oh these wines are more structured or like higher acid lower acid this will age quicker than this one blah 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 but um generally speaking there's a good degree of consistency on when you can kind of expect the wines to sort of turn around and be approachable pinot is like a total wild card and um i've had oregon pinots that i was like in their youth i was like oh my god these are like this is like this is fucking incredible. And then I get to try them with some more age on them. Not like, you know, one or two years, but let's say like f- four or five years or something. And um, and I was like th- totally thrown off. And it's not like I, I like them 
less or anything. It just was such a big difference. I didn't like that that bright, super tart fruit that I was like enamored with is now gone and it's transformed into something else that I like love just as much. But it was just unexpected the first time I had it. I was like, oh shit. I think the first time I'd had something like that, it was like a 2013 uh, Grand Moraine Pinot. And uh, it was like really like pretty tertiary. Um, and it might've just been that bottle also. But um, in a way that I, I kind of wasn't expecting. I was like, fuck, this is great. But this is not what I was expecting. Yeah, that also um, makes sense with 13 too. Mm-hmm. So it was a kind of yeah. yeah. Oh, dude, thirteens are so fucking good. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah. So Pinot, and this, there's so many different styles of it. Like that, <laughs> that Latash man. Like I was telling somebody the other day. I'm like, I have like you know opened and, and decanted Amarones that were that old that did not have as much sediment as that Latash. Like. Yeah. That Latash had so much fucking sediment. Like that, basically, like that mag of 20, oh no, of 97, like Clarendon Grenache. The mag of it, I don't even, like, probably had the same amount of sediment as that Latash. Yeah. Which is fucking insane. Yeah. Uh, so clearly, that wine was an absolute monster in its youth. And I think it's funny how I saw somebody post this quote the other day. I don't know if it's true, but, or if it's like correct, but from, it was from Kermit Lynch or something. I'm saying, like, uh, Americans, um, take finesse to mean like i'm um, this isn't this is not the correct quote but it's essentially like a, like a synopsis of it um americans think that finesse means light you know or is is, is synonymous with light but you know with french basically essentially french people don't like that's not what that means to french people in terms of wine so you can have a wine that's very big but finesse and i think we talk about that a lot yeah. too um but I think that's a it's a it's a important statement, and with that DRC, like I'm sure throughout its life it was finessed, you know. But it must have just been fucking humongous. Um, so that's a wine where it seems very obvious, like all right, this thing is very high acid, very high tannins, it's well made. This is going to age for a long time. But there are also Pinots that are like this. Like I would not be surprised if like 15 years from now this was still like bright and youthful, and you'd be like, what? How, how does it make any sense? Like, um, it's not, you know, like. It's not super saturated. It's not like, you know, full bodied, but the, when tannins are super fine grained, there's a very, like, it's very sneaky. It, it can be quite tannic, but as long as the tannins are very fine grained, it, you know, it may not really seem like that, especially when the acid's at the right levels and it's all balanced out. Yeah. So you're like, oh yeah, no, this is like, this is fun and juicy, but I don't think it has, it's no, it's like the serious structure to age. Um, so you have to kind of like analyze it a little bit more, but, um, it's not an easy question. And, uh, also, sometimes you have wines that you think are going to age super well, and then they, they're they like, you, you try one, and it's only like three years later than the last time you tried it, and it's really changed a lot more than you'd think. And again, that could be from cork variation. That could be from all sorts of fucking shit. Uh, so wine, not an easy thing to really understand, so it's better to just kind of like be like, yeah, no, except the fact that you can't know everything. Um, yeah, well, I mean, that's like the core thing about it's just like it's literally just guessing when you when you try a wine or like mm-hmm. you know even i'm yeah there are a lot of wine writers who i do think do a good job of it and i think that there are a lot of good reasons to say stuff like this but if you know the the one thing i really trust is when i see someone be like 93 points drink now and for the next like you know or just drink drink now it's like yeah uh, yeah, yep. yeah but when it's like seller for seven to ten years it's like yeah 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 maybe we'll see (laughs) yeah yeah no i love i love the back labels on uh on zen bottles especially like ridge they'll they'll always put that on the back bottles like should be enjoyed or will best when enjoyed over the next five to ten years or something yeah and it's like a like it's like a, a 2002 like zen or something and it's still a fucking monster like you still have to decant it for like two hours before you can even like drink the thing with a piece of like beef fat you know yeah. and they're like oh, oh five to ten years is when it, like after that it's like it will decline in quality essentially is what they're saying nah man yeah that's not true not, not the case uh, yeah that might be marketing i don't know if that's like their their actual thought you know um like if they they might personally like like them much older but i don't know like why why they wouldn't be like you know you know best enjoyed after you know five years of aging or something like that and then can be delicious indefinitely or some shit like that you know like why would you not say that yeah i don't know like why would you limit five to ten i with this structure their back label i can kind of see that it's because they they 
they have a pretty specific back like it it it's that like uh the the confidence of that the con the confidence of specificity will like row mm-hmm. people in it's yeah like, that's true oh well, they gave a like a, spe- a precise window so that m- they must know something and it's like or they could just be mm-hmm. like spitballing you'd be like well yeah uh you know it's like it's like the thing that you know you get terrified when somebody just yells hey uh or it's like terrible when somebody's like hey yes or no and you're like to what and they're like just just pick one <laughs> but it's yeah. way more terrifying if somebody's like hey uh quick question 23 17 or four you're like what it's like i need you to pick one of those numbers it's like uh, 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 uh 17 it's like okay thanks it's like what, what was that for it's like that's how many hours or miles per hour over the speed limit i'm gonna drive all the way back home and it's like wait what <laughs> This is like, you just don't know what, like, the the same is true, actually, with it. This is a topic, well, it bleeds into, this is a topic we will, we will come back to uh, on a future episode. So go to Cork Taint, go to patreon.com slash Cork Taint to to find out what I mean about this. But, like, there's a lot in wine and in everything, honestly. It's like anytime, you know, people talk about, like, polling with politics, uh, Talking about polling with politics is like that usually, well, actually, that's a bad example. I was going to say you should trust that as much as like kills 99.99% of bacteria. But that's true because like, (laughs) like that claim is valid in that like the effect of that kind of alcohol on bacteria is to kill 99.99% of them. And Mm -hmm. it's like so good at killing bacteria that they're, they're leaving one one hundredth of a percent doubt that they're killing shit with yeah like so much about wine and life and everything is just spitballing you're just like yeah this is as long as we're not off by an order of magnitude we'll be fine um <laughs> it's like polling is you know uh because we're a podcast we're uh, legally obligated to bring this up at least twice a year but if 2016 taught us anything it's that polling doesn't work and in the same way there's like a lot that you can do with like numbers and like estimations in winemaking where it's like yeah how much like like you calculate a lot of things in terms of parts per million but like the thing you don't you don't you know why you're doing it at those levels because of how that'll react with the wine generally but you don't know exactly what you're putting that into or like what you're confronting with any given you know uh addition or whatever and in the same way like aging aging wine you're just trying to make an estimate about like like i don't know people like you're you're making an estimate about like how much oxygen is going to bleed into the wine over time and how that's going to react with (laughs) a list of chemicals that is so bafflingly long most of them haven't wouldn't you know it wouldn't make sense to like go in and uh and pull out specifically like you're 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 just it's a it's a wild wild speculation and eventually everything will be under screw caps and we can dial everything in a lot more and we can, you know, take all of the soul out of winemaking. But until then, it's just like, yeah, we're just, we're just guessing. We're just like throwing shit out, seeing what sticks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You Playing know, darts in a dark room, buddy. Yeah. That's why I like, and I like that about wine, you know, like I think there's a lot of things in life that can help, uh, like, like you, like planning can help. You know, oh, yeah. and can make things great. Like that dinner, right? You've, like that was not, I wouldn't say like painstakingly planned, but that was, you know, pretty, you know, I put a lot of time and effort into planning that thing. And a lot of people, you know, I described that as the right amount of planning. effort into that thing. It was, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so that was great because of that. And I, I think that if everybody had not planned as much and like scheduled and had that all done, it wouldn't have been in the experience that it was. But like, my main issue is it's a similar issue with like food science and stuff too is when people are like no i'm going to get my phd on why like kit kats are are good you know it's like it's just i don't know it just fucking is like why does chicken soup taste good because it's fucking like like we don't need to fucking do a deep dive into that shit at least i don't think so you know yeah and like well and it's like there's a there's some sort of inverse relationship between the span of time something is going to be accomplished over and like what the control you mm-hmm. can have of the those steps will be versus mm-hmm. how much 
time you put into planning for it and adjusting it. And the thing, the thing that's really, mm-hmm. you know, like like wine, the growing season takes about a hundred days. The fermentation process takes about two weeks. The post fermentation maceration takes another maybe two weeks, depending. And then it needs to be in barrel for between ten months to a year, or maybe a year and a half for Pinot. Like mm-hmm. your your moments of influence are pretty s- small, and then. Mm-hmm. you just kind of shepherd the process along and you can't do a whole lot to adjust course because a lot of what's going on is outside of your control. It's the weather, it's the humidity of your cellar, it's, you know, like you you pitch a certain yeast, but by the end of fermentation, like it will have evolved so many times that the DNA of the yeast that's actually in that ferment will be completely different from the DNA of the yeast that you put in there to begin with. So, you know, all of those things happen outside of your control and the aging of wine is kind of the the last ultimate example of that where it's like yep you put it in a bottle and then you just leave it alone and then you'll go and open it up and hopefully you'll like it but you might also just be corked so go fuck yourself (laughs) yeah and i think like there's absolutely a lot like the studying winemaking i think like has vastly improved the quality of wine Oh, over, absolutely, yeah. Like, overall, in- incredibly so. And it's been great. You know, it's been a great thing for wine. My, I start to become skeptical and, like, around, like, yeah, we should, like, I have these 10 different yeasts here, and this one imparts, like, more, like, you know, grapefruit flavors, and this one will, you know, give more of, like, honeysuckle flavors. And it's, like, I think that, like, if the, if the honeysuckle flavors are what's going to be, like, profound in the wine, it's going to be because... It's going to be because of the land and the climate and the fruit ripening to a certain extent and whatever, you know, like the terroir is going to express that thing rather than like the the specific, it's like, like a, I don't know, it's not a good analogy. I was going to say it's like coming, like painstakingly deciding like what color shoelaces like a, like an Olympic athlete's going to like wear. Yeah. You know, like, is, is that going to make a difference? Like th- maybe. You know, like, yeah, like it's not even like the type of shoelace. It's the color of the shoelace. Like maybe that they might be like, yeah, that color is good. And they might, you know, do like a tenth of a second better or something. But like, you know, maybe a hundred. I think a tenth is a big, big deal. But, you know, something like that. But in the end, like it comes down to the quality of the the performance of the vineyard and all these sorts of conditions. And I, I don't yeah, know. What it makes me think of a lot is like music production over. And I've brought this mm-hmm. up as an analogy a lot, but like. There was a point in time where being a musician meant you learned to play an instrument, but you maybe didn't learn how to read music, and you sometimes would learn to play with other people, and it was very, very loose. And then over time, like there's mm-hmm. more musical notation. There are more like people come up with musical forms. The the stand the like standard understanding of melodic structures and harmonies gets more complicated, and then people learn all of that and learn how to write it all down, and you you wind up with more intricate things that you know then symphonies can play and stuff like yeah like like orchestra orchestral like yeah uh, mm-hmm. uh whatever whatever i'm trying to think of yeah like there's there's that like that like uh, a couple pieces or that there's that famous one piece that that person wrote that takes like it's like 72 hours long start to finish or something like that yeah like it's like one one like piece of music or something and it's like just like because just because well yeah and then so then you hit the point with like fucking like recording of music where the and the technology of recording music where people are combining those two sets of skills like playing music like the beatles didn't know how to read music right that's them on the one hand yeah they were good musicians and then on the other hand you have someone like um you know you have someone like frank zappa who absolutely could read and write music and wrote some insane pieces of music that he expected musicians he worked with to be able to like learn to play (laughs) and then you move past both of those people into but like but they were interested in trying to figure out how to record stuff better but then also use like especially in zappa's case like live recordings and inserting what they recorded at a live performance into the album version of something because they mm-hmm. had the song written, but they improvised something in a solo or something, and they the one version of that they liked best. So it's like 
all gets more complicated and like you you can have this huge amount of knowledge but what you're still seeking out if you're working in you know that chunk of time is like these moments of inspiration that happen when you're when you're doing the thing and now yeah. you people can you know musicians like uh billy eilish who i like her music fine like i like some of her songs quite a bit it that kind of music is re- like pre-recorded it's like it it exists mm-hmm. in the form that you can listen to it at the same time that it's being created because it's never actually written down it's programmed in a computer as it's being produced so there's like this weird this weird collapse of the like set of skills necessary to collaborate and produce a certain array of sounds like you know mm-hmm. at one point in time you had to work with you couldn't play the drums and the piano and the guitar all at the same time so you had to work with other people and like write music together or you had to know how to write music and then work with people to like make it sound right and then go out and do it live uh mm-hmm. but now you can kind of subvert all that and the thing that's weird with winemaking is like the you know it's like natural winemaking almost feels like people being like nah it's, you shouldn't record any music like the only good music is like a guy with a banjo sitting on a street corner and then on the other side of things mm-hmm. it's like that on one end and then you know this hyper produced like every guitar track is actually just triggering these guitar tones that i already knew i was going to use to produce this song so on the other end of things and it's you know just like whatever coldplay's latest album is is what everything sounds like mm-hmm. so yeah the but the, there it feels like there should be something in the middle where it's like okay i understand that all of this technology exists but i still want to have the skill set to do these things well and understand how to how to really do the thing and yeah. the, the, the analogy got a bit overwrought but it does feel like there is a relationship there of like well, and actually, you know, the, it's the the thing that makes it a really good analogy, maybe, is just most people have no idea how any of that really works deep down. Yeah. Like yeah. most people yeah. think of top forty Billboard hits and um, big band jazz as being accomplished in the same way. And yeah, 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 because it's like I mean, I you know, you have to sit down and really think about it and have the right questions to investigate it to at some point go like, wait a second, there's so many more musicians being in the same room at the same time to accomplish this Gene Krupa album than whatever it took to produce Olivia Rodrigo's latest, you know, I say latest only album. How old is she? Like 18, 17? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't even know. Yeah, God. But like, but they, you know, if you present those to the wrong person, they're going to, or the right person, or just whoever, just many, you know, many young people would listen to the Olivia Rodrigo album and be like, that sounds better, because it sounds more like more of the music that they've listened to over their life than an actual, mm-hmm. like a, a recorded live in a studio jazz album, or at a live performance or however. And that's, you know, that, that kind of thing makes it really difficult to, the same thing's true with wine, where you're like, yeah, there's something, like, there's such a big difference between Yellowtail and, um... Not even, like, well, white burgundy, I suppose, like, Chablis, you know. There is mm-hmm. such an enormous difference between those two things. But for a lot of, like, there's a reason Carlo Rossi still sells gallon jugs of wine with Chablis on the label. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, the, the yeah, I don't know, there's just the, the, the world of, the world of perception. It's just weird. I, I don't know, I've lost what kind yeah, of point man. I was trying to make, man. I was just... <laughs> <laughs> it's all I'm just, good. I'm trying to. I gotta find I got the, this. Song. I'm on the eastbound and down ski do just fucking over the nice. Just making sounds. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Before we uh, before we cut out, I'll I, I I gotta find. I'll just make a, a note here. I gotta find. Um, I can't remember how I came across it, but it was like probably one of those like I fell for one of those like the ten top ten most difficult p- classical piano pieces or some fucking yeah you know, yeah some yeah those fucking things love those and um one of them I eventually just like one of those led to something else led to something else and I found this like classical pianist composer that made like yeah some like fucking Russian guy who like made shit so difficult that like l- literally nobody could play it and people still can't play it and it's like so difficult that like and like taxing that like pe- like people don't even really bother to play it but if they do then it's like okay yeah at this concert like i'm gonna play like you know the first like fifth of this 
one piece, you know, and then they would like do that. And there's this one video of this guy who's this like, I mean, he's, this guy is a psycho and his whole channel is like, yeah, I'm just going to play these pieces. And all his videos are like really pretty like shitty, like quality. Like it's just him on like a, you know, like I was going to say a camcord. <laughs> oh man, people, once we get the young kids, they don't even know what a camcord is, you know, but. You got uh, a super eight. Just like, you know, yeah and he um so he's just filming them of himself and like at like a piano in like his basement it's not like a like a you know like a big professional production thing and the piano is like you know it's not like in it's not like totally fucked out of tune but it's not like you know absolutely perfect and this guy right like he's doing a damn near perfect job playing these things because he's he's a crazy person he's decided like i just want to do this thing and the comment sections are like so beautiful and i think they were really only beautiful because i've like been in you know spent as much time in academia that i have but it's all people being so fucking elitist being like it's really an insult to these pieces that you would play that with a piano that's so egregiously out of tune (laughs) and like and like that like you're and he's and then like you're doing such a disservice to this music also you're not even like really playing it that well because you don't have anything near like close to the proper like inflection that should be played but this thing it's like nobody's ever even played this fucking thing or recorded this fucking thing before like there's no recordings of this piece of music at all you know and like how would you fucking know what it's supposed to sound like god and uh, it's just like arguments like that and the guy going back and forth oh no i found this guy originally because he was being an asshole to other people in comment sections and i was like who's this fucking asshole um oh, that's and then perfect. this is his whole thing yeah so yeah. like who's this guy who's being an asshole went on his channel turns out he does this very niche thing that he's like very elitist about and then the funny thing was that in the com i fucked the whole story up the funny thing is that in the comment sections of his videos people are being even more of assholes to him about like more more like petty things, good you know so i know i was like this is beautiful man that's, <laughs> like, this is yeah dude, that's how i found that guy because he was being a piece of shit sometimes the ouroboros eats its own tail and its tail tastes good yeah yeah yep there you go yeah man damn we got that episode went by fast yeah, this wine's really fucking this wine's good. really good and the question of aging wine is really hard but this wine i'll tell you it could probably like that yeah this wine could age like another 10 years and be fucking great totally it's from when i from when we started the episode to when i'm tasting it now <laughs> just as it is the mid palate texture on it's filled out a lot yeah so this would be really cool this is one of these where it's like you could easily drink the whole bottle tonight but i'm definitely gonna you know you know drink you know drink some of it tonight and then try to save it you know in the fridge over the next couple of days and just kind of you know every night just like pour a glass out and stick it back in the fridge and yep. wait you know the next night to see how it changes nice and that's also a good way for people to sort of test, like, the... To coarsely test the ageability of a wine. Oh, yeah. Um, that's obviously not, like... Just leave it know, on the... How it... I mean, uh, should put it in the fridge. But just leave it on the counter. See what happens. Yeah, yeah. I think in the, the fridge helps because it's it helps, like, to slow down the yeah. oxidation of it a little bit. Um, but, yeah, just, like, you know, leaving it open, giving it more air will help a little bit. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. All right, folks. Yeah. Uh, Sign up for our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Chipping, Chip in a couple, couple, couple bucks, couple pennies. Give us your money. <laughs> just, it doesn't, we don't even need much, you know, like two bucks a month, just anybody. Anybody, just, just, just start throwing some, throwing some change at your phone. Break the screen. Yeah. Because then you'll be like, damn, I, damn, it costs so much to get this fucking thing fixed. I should just, I it's should been just, designed, so I can't fix it myself. I should just uh, subscribe to the I podcast because sh- that's cheaper. Yeah, it's cheaper. It's so much cheaper. Yeah, folks, you know what? For the price, you know, for the price of signing for our podcast month, you could buy a cup of coffee, you know, and you could dump it all over your your laptop. You know, you could you could drop your phone in it for about twenty minutes, take your phone out, and then dump it all over your your, your keyboard and your laptop. Yeah, you could do that. You know, for the price of our uh, for the price of our uh, podcast subscription, you could <laughs> throw your phone in a lake and your laptop, yeah. and uh, yeah. Scream at your congressman outside his house. Yeah, yeah. Throw a brick through his yeah. window. Why don't you? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that all costs the same. That part all costs the same as our Patreon. Um, the yeah. ensuing a lot of legal that defense the same. Uh, that you'll probably need to hire. That might be more expensive, yeah. but that's not our fault. So, um, or our responsibility. Yeah, yeah. It's also not our responsibility yeah, yeah. to give anyone good advice or actually know how long you should age your wines. Uh, yeah. We're you know we're not we're not claiming that yeah 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 uh, should yeah know. we're also it's also not our responsibility for our analogies to make sense or ultimately have a point 
So take that. No. Maybe that was the point yep. all along. Maybe it was. Maybe you should age this for another 10, buy it, age it for 10 years. Maybe you should defecate in the cash register of a Starbucks. Uh, you know, this thing, there's a lot of things you could do. A lot of things that a lot of people could yeah, do. Yeah. Maybe you should, um, you know, have like a really open mind to all different kinds of wine and <laughs> drink them young and drink them yeah. old and be willing uh-huh. to take risks and be willing to be disappointed. Or maybe you should, mm-hmm. um, you know, just uh, go and buy a bunch of eggs, let them rot, and then throw them at the uh, yeah. the door of your uh, ex's house and uh, yeah. Leave, yeah, uh, leave a copy of Martin Luther's 99 Theses uh, like mm-hmm. nailed to their door in some sort of weird yeah. postmodern uh, performance art piece that is just for them. Yeah, maybe you should try to, you know, petition to... to, to... Get a law passed that takes away senior citizens' uh, licenses when they, or at least make them, re, you know, retake their driver's tests when they they turn like eighty or something. Or you could just go up to every old person you find, throw their ID in the garbage, and then immediately tell a police officer they don't have a, a driver's license. Yeah, you could do uh-huh. it. You could do all those yeah. things um, for less than it costs to to pay us to keep doing this podcast. Mm, y- you, know? you could, um, <laughs> you could also like try to get legislation passed that uh, Supreme Court terms being for life means mm. that they uh oh nice you know have to be on death row to be on the supreme court yeah yeah all of our supreme court justices will come from texas yeah yeah you do one of those little uh, those little trading trading places swaps you know yeah you take it i mean on death row put them on uh put them on the supreme court take a supreme court justice put them on death and ironically you know? think of how much cooler the Supreme Court would look if instead <laughs> of black robes, they all wore orange jumpsuits. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, well, right, you know, take that, America. Take it. We've. Take it. Things are getting worse at an alarming rate, but wine's only getting better. Yeah. Patreon.com slash cork taint. Good. The link is and will always be in our, in our bio. Good, good luck. Good luck. Follow us on Instagram. Yeah. If you have not found us through Instagram, I don't know how you found oh, us. Oh, yeah. How do you feel about the suggestion of changing the name of the podcast to start with a K so that it matches our Instagram? Mm. I don't care no, that much, but it has been pointed out to I me that care. that our, our, might make it easier for people to find it. It might. Uh, we should do a little Instagram uh, little Instagram poll. Mm. Uh, you know? I, I do think it's very funny that it's just called Cork Taint. Yeah. You know? No, I like that. I like that they're different. Like, I like uh, that they're different. I just so, I can admit that maybe it's not I just, the best marketing. Yeah, but it's also fucked up that there is like an account that's just Cork Taint and there's no followers and they just have it and then they followed us. Ooh, we could, we should report them and see if we can get their account banned. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, that'd be mean. That'd be sick. No, I mean, they're not even, they're not using it, you know? We, like should, just have we should be able to conquer it. We should, yeah. We should, yeah, we should colonize their, we should colonize their Instagram account. Mm, yep. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. We should, um, yeah, I, I, I can't wait to get, uh, I really want to get fucking uh, verified. That'd be so funny. <laughs> yeah. Everything about our Instagram account <laughs> is funny, man. It's, oh yeah, I think I went a little overboard with that, that, the music choice on that, on that. Oh, I loved it. On that it reel. was good. Yeah. It was really good. <laughs> I really wanted to just like make fun of all those fucking assholes who were like constantly showing off their like 15 cases from of of 2020 Opus One. You know, it's always got like the most obnoxious EDM music on it. So yeah. I was like, I want to choose something far more obnoxious. Uh, EDM music, more like yeah. Well, that's actually redundant, isn't it? Because it's electronic dance music. EDM music, yeah, yeah. So it's just EDM, yeah, yeah. erectile dysfunction music. Oh, I was gonna. It's really. It's not funny, but EDM. Mm. What? Who is this guy? Fucking last king of Scotland? Yeah, who knows? Yeah, fucking <laughs> Yeah, man, that's funny. I listen to nothing but EDM. Right. It's like, wasn't that guy a cannibal? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. All right, folks. Cool. That's it. Yep. That's a wrap. <laughs>